This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Animal House, I'm Sarah Lane. And beneath finally sunny skies, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Oh, is that why you have such a sunny mood? Because the uh, the skies are sunny? Yes, I'm getting... Uh, I'm getting uh, my vitamin D indirectly through the window. Through the window? You so have one of the, yeah, one yeah. of those windows that just lets in the vitamin D rays. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Sunscreen <laughs> optional. <laughs> um, well, I'm excited uh, because we have a great live audience. Dan Crafton, who's very active on our Patreon, threatened to make the live show on Patreon this morning and then showed up in the live show. Next Yay, thing you Dan. know, R.W. Nash is going to show up live. Who knows what can happen? Uh, let's get in to the quick hits. Overnight, several users reported, let's call it unpredictable behavior from ChatGPT. One example that The Verge pulled from a Reddit user was a request for a biography of the Jackson family of musicians that contained the line, Schwitendli, the sparkle of Tourmar on the crest that has as much to do with the gulver of the moon paths <laughs> as it shifts from follow. Now, if you said, uh, I don't, didn't understand what that had okay? to do with the Jackson yeah. family, <laughs> well, you're not alone. A lot of other people said, something seems wrong with ChatGPT. At 10.40 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, OpenAI acknowledged it was investigating reports of unexpected responses from ChatGPT, a few minutes later announced it was working on a fix. The problem seems to have gone away, but OpenAI says it's still monitoring the situation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the thing that happens when you've got a tool that just tries to predict the next word. Sometimes it doesn't predict so well. I mean, sometimes I'm tired and I sound weird too. Yeah, yeah that's true. You know, ChatGPT. Uh AI Vertex, Google's and Nemo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had a little, a little glitch. Uh, Google has released Gemma 2B and 7B. These are two open source AI models that let developers use closed AI model Gemini more freely. Uh, the lightweight Gemma models are supposed to be better for smaller tasks like making your own chatbot. Uh, or doing summarizations of your own data. Google claims its Gemma models, quote, surpass significantly larger models on key benchmarks. Sort of an empty phrase that doesn't mean anything, except uh, we think ours are better. Uh, they are also capable of running directly on a developer laptop or desktop computer. Now, that's a quote that does mean something. These are local models. You can run them yourself. You don't need to put them in the cloud. Uh, you can try them out on the Kaggle uh, laptop. Uh, you can get them at Hugging Face, NVIDIA's Nemo, and Google's Vertex AI. At Nintendo Direct earlier today, the company announced that Grounded and Sentiment are Xbox exclusive games that will be exclusive no more when they arrive for the Nintendo Switch. Sentiment launches Thursday, February 22nd, Grounded on April 16th. So that's two of the four that Microsoft said would be coming. The Verge's sources think Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves are probably the other two. These could still launch on the Switch later, and any of the four could also come to the PS5. I appreciate the sentiment, but it's pentiment. Oh, <laughs> pentiment. Uh, but just, uh, but yeah, there we go. Now we, now we know. Now we know. At least two of them. They still might bring the others. <laughs> well, someone should make a game called Sentiment. Okay? Yeah, please. For goodness sakes, Xbox. Uh, ZTE's Libero Flip for the Japanese market is going for $420 or $265 if you pre-order. 
Uh, that might help indications that the flip market is back, if it ever went away, uh, as the Libero flip is priced well below the $1,000 Samsung Galaxy Z flip and darn near as low as a clearance sale refurbished flip you could still find around the net if you wanted to look for it on a used market. Libero flip has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 7 series chip inside and a 6.9 inch 2790 by 1188 foldable OLED panel, slightly larger than the Samsung Flip. It includes a 50 megapixel main camera, two megapixel depth camera, 16 megapixel selfie in the front, runs Android 13 with six gigs of RAM, 128 gigs storage, Wi-Fi 6 and Bluetooth 5.2, charges up to 33 watts over its USB-C port. But I think most importantly, its front cover screen is circular. So it looks like a little compact. The Wall Street Journal sources say that Reddit may set aside a chunk of shares in its upcoming IPO for 75,000 of its most active users, sort of a thank you for being a friend. But as Mastodon user uh, Carnage4Life points out, I was initially impressed because I thought they were gifting them shares. However, an opportunity to buy Reddit shares at a $5 billion valuation, hoping that it goes higher it's more of a gamble than a perk. Oh, that's just true of every IPO, though, right? Every IPO, you, they don't give away the shares. <laughs> that's, that's not how IPOs work. But they limit who gets to buy them at the initial price, the idea being that IPOs generally go up. So I mean, hey, yeah, you know, if you're if you're a diehard Reddit user and you're part of the 75,000, this might be might be a cool perk. Might yeah. be. If you wanted to buy the IPO, it's a cool perk. If you're like, no, I never wanted to, to buy stock in Reddit, then no, it's probably not that cool of a perk. I get that. <laughs> well, back in 2021, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger promised Intel's customers and investors five nodes in four years, with the plan to go all in on fabs and become a top-to-bottom foundry service for the whole world to use. Now that roadmap is is seeing some light with Intel's first EUV-based node, Intel 4, available in the market today, and its high-volume counterpart, Intel 3, also ready. Intel is also ready in its Gate All Around, or G-A-A-F-E-T, ribbon F-E-T, for 2024 and next year, 2025. Today, Intel's Foundry Group has uh, formerly become Foundry Group, used to be called Intel Foundry Services, and held its first conference, Direct Connect. Direct Connect is Intel's first chance to talk at length about the five nodes goal and where the company's going forward. Direct Connect is also Intel's chance to update folks on, you know, what comes after those first five nodes. Intel Foundry wants to expand capacity, customers, tooling. That's obvious. You know, the company wants to make money. And now the group is looking toward a slate of even more advanced nodes, but also packaging technologies that would be necessary to back all that up. Now, Roger, you had mentioned in our pre-show meeting that Intel didn't exactly deliver on the promise from three years ago, timing-wise, but... But they're getting there. What stood out to you about how far Intel has come? I think two things stood out. One is that they really do have a plan to become a top-to-bottom foundry. That means we they just don't uh, they, they they're not just going to be a fabricator or a foundry to make make other people's designs. They will you 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 work they'll work with the client and develop their own chips uh, designs as well as uh, testing them and then producing them uh, and. It doesn't sound like much on the f- uh, face of it, but you have to understand that Intel's foundries have historically just been used internally. That means they now to ha- they now need to have the process and the tooling 
to have a variety of potential clientele come through the door and say, we want this chip designed and made and on this uh, uh, process node, can you do it? Uh, so that is an entirely different set of uh, uh, requirements because now it's no like, hey, can I borrow this from from this founder because we need it for this chip because it's you know in the same company. Now you have to be a little more um, well-oiled, as it were, uh, to be kind of a, a, a clientele-facing operation. The other thing is that they're the the EU, EUV or the extreme uh, UV lithography machine that they got is uh, the new numerical aperture, which means it's a larger aperture. Effectively, what it means is they can produce the smaller node process uh, in a shorter amount of time. And it's a machine that TSMC itself has passed on because they're fine with their current process and they can effectively move to the next generation without too many tweaks. But for Intel, this could possibly be their way to leapfrog TSMC into the next generation of chips. Um, still too early to say if that actually will happen, but uh, at least based on their flow chart that they 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 gave, uh, it looks like they're aiming for that. Yeah, the, the, I think Intel's doing better than a lot of people expected, even though they're running behind their own timeline. Uh, Gelsinger is committed. I think that's the important point here. He's not doing this halfway. He's not saying, hey, uh, we'd, we'd like to make chips for other people, but really we want to make all our money on our own chips, so we'll begrudgingly make chips for other people, which is, I think, what a lot of people thought. They, they thought the Intel Foundry would sort of compete with TSMC, and that's that. And what you're saying, Roger, is they're competing with ARM, too. They're like, hey, we can design a chip for you. You, you want to come to us with the design? Great, we'll build it for you. We'll build it faster than TSMC, is what they'll tell you. Uh, but they'll also design. They'll also do packaging. Uh, that is smart. Gelsinger is not doing this halfway. He's like, if we're going to be a foundry, let's be a foundry from top to bottom. And it's it's interesting because I think a very few companies have done that. I think IBM has done that in the past with their uh, power PC and they developed and uh, uh, Fab the cell processor used in the PS3. Um, but it is it is a very capital intensive goal. It's not cheap. Uh, the fact that they are sticking to their guns and Gelsinger is effectively emphatically saying this is where we're going to be. 2025 is kind of the, the benchmark year where you're going to see if all these promises that they've they've put out uh, yeah. come to fruition. And uh, it's something they need to be patient with if they want to supplement and eventually surpass the in-house Intel chips, x86 isn't going to last forever. That That's what Gelsinger is identifying here. And he needs to get the foundry business in place before that happens and hopefully come up with new designs that, that keep Intel chips uh, a, a, as a going concern as well. I don't think they're going to abandon making their own chips, uh, but they know that this is a much more competitive market than they used to be when they when the old Wintel dominance just you know, shoved everything else out the door. A Bloomberg reporting Microsoft has contracted Intel to make its chips. Those are the kinds of big contracts that Intel's foundry is going to need to have to make it successful. So if that ends up uh, being as Bloomberg reported, and Bloomberg's pretty good with this stuff, uh, it's a good sign that Gelsinger is on the right track. Couple of Apple stories to talk about. First, sports. On Wednesday, <laughs> Apple sorry, announced sports. a f- <laughs> now the sports. A free standalone app called Apple Sports. Uh, very clever. Thank you, Apple. Uh, sharing scores and stats to your iOS device. This is not unlike a Yahoo Sports or you know some some other uh, sports app that you might have already been using for some time. It's also designed to drive viewers to the Apple TV app 
to watch those live sports, which does include now Major League Soccer matches. Apple has a 10-year deal through Apple TV's MLS Season Pass subscription add-on. Apple Sports includes a watch on Apple TV button for each game. Now, it's not always going to apply, but if it does, then you can open up your Apple TV app to the service that's live streaming the event and where you can subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. So it's sort of a, it's a portal. It's a portal to sports. Apple Sports is in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. app stores for now, with support for English and French and Spanish where it is available. It's a sportal. It's a sportal. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a sports portal. I love this and hate it. Um, Why do you you, hate it? (laughs) Well, should I start? Yeah. Would you like me to start with the love or start with the hate? Bad news first. Bad news first. Uh, Why isn't this cross-platform? Well, I know why, because it's Apple, but I want this cross-platform. I don't want to have to only have this on my iOS device. I want it on the web. I want it on Android. I'll probably be able to get it on the web at some point, maybe, or at least on an app on my Mac, but I doubt I'll ever be able to get it on Android. Um, I also don't like that it's just Apple TV, although I want to see how this works in practice because Apple TV has add-on channels, so maybe it'll also have like Paramount Plus Sports. Maybe it'll even have Peacock or ESPN Plus or eventually ESPN uh, Sports because that would be, I think, a better deal for Apple is to say, watch all your sports through Apple TV's app, whether it's Apple-provided sports or not, and use the Apple Sports app to launch them. I think that would be super compelling. So those are the things I don't like is that it seems more limited and very Apple-y. The thing I love about it, though, is I've wanted a simple sports score app forever. Uh, ESPN complicates things. It tries to give me things I don't want, uh, or at least things I don't want when I'm just looking for the scores. Uh, it tries to guess what I want and it doesn't guess very well. Yahoo sports is old, uh, and it's fine, but it is again, it's trying to, to show me things that it wants to show me. Apple is like, no, we know you just, you just want to follow your teams or your leagues and your sports here. We made it, made it simple. We made it easy. And that's the thing I love about it. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, installed the app this morning. Um, you know, works as advertised. I was like, here are my favorite teams. You tell me about those favorite teams. And, uh, I think in, well, in theory, maybe not in execution at this point, you know, we're still crawling toward a world where I'd be like, I would like to watch this game. I've heard it starts in 15 minutes. No idea what platform it's on, what channel, don't know. Maybe Apple Sports will just help me get there. Yeah, let me just tap the button. You know, tap the and button I can watch and it. take take me there. If maybe I have to pay. I don't know. I mean, just help me do that instead yeah. of Googling like on what channel are the Warriors? Right, because Apple has all of the apps that play the sports. Right, they have the yeah. uh, the the apps for all the streaming services, even apps for all the cable services out there. If you could just tap the button that says, "Oh, this is playing here," uh, we geolocated you, so we know this is the service that has it in your market. Uh, yeah. And if you if you subscribe, we'll just launch you into that app. And if you don't, then we'll give you the option of like, "Oh, if you want to." watch it you could subscribe to these different services that would be great i would love it if they did that i mean there there are there are apple apps that actually do this quite well already not for sports but for example you know i talk about my love for plex you know i you know if something's on the media server that i'm that that i have access to great but 
Um, if I don't have access, it goes, okay, uh, Apple TV Plus has this, and you know, here's what you would pay. Well, I have Apple TV Plus, so that doesn't really matter. But you know, you might not. But yeah, whether you or, do or not, you know, it'll or, tell you where to get you know, it, right? Yeah. On Hulu or on Netflix. Apple, or, the Apple you know, TV, else. Apple TV does the same thing. Like the actual device, the Apple TV does the same yeah. thing, and it even has the the sports. the The teams that I follow on the Apple TV app were pre populated in the Apple Sports app when I launched it. So it does a pretty good job of telling me like, oh, the Illinois basketball team is playing in Apple TV. Uh, so it's halfway there. Just put it in the sports app, right? Which I don't know. Maybe they will. I haven't really had it long enough to be able to test if that's the case or not. But they're not showing I mean, me a way to watch the Illinois game yet. The the um, the album art for the app is a soccer field. I think Apple is going hard MLS, in yeah. on MLS right now, seeing where it sticks and hopefully opening it up after that. Yeah, I think that is probably true. Uh, well, the other thing we didn't talk about in regard to sports is AI deciding for you what sports you want to watch. Uh, if you want to stay up to date in the fast moving world of artificial intelligence, you cannot miss AI named this show. Uh, each week, Tristan Jutra and Tasia Custody cut through the hype. They cut through the doomsaying uh, and just talk about the things that are important to know about artificial intelligence and generative models and deep learning and machine learning and LLMs and all of that. Catch it at AINamedThisShow.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Headlines Edition. For more of Daily Tech News Show, including full discussions and other content, visit DailyTechNewsShow.com. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>